A reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to the Lord together in prayer. Holy God, as we come before you, draw us nearer to you. As we seek your face this morning in worship and in word, draw us nearer to you. As we seek to do your will when we leave this place, draw us nearer to you. In this time, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts on your words be good and pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our strength and redeemer. Amen. We're in March already. That came pretty quickly. More importantly, we're in the season of Lent. And you know, funny enough, this season doesn't have anything to do with you know, the, what comes out of your dryer or what you may find in your belly button when you shower. This is a different season of Lent, a season in which uh, often gets misconstrued as New Year's Resolutions Part 2, this point where uh, you know, we're now just over two months after we all resolved within ourselves, this is how I'm going to be a better person this year. This is how I'm going to live my life in a better way. Of course, we neglected those about two weeks into the new year, and so we were like, it's all right. Lent is coming. We can pick this back up. And, you know, this does end up being a season in which we often see people trying to be their best selves. And oftentimes, that's people trying to be their best selves for themselves. I get, you know, here are a lot of things that people like to give up for Lent. Um, for some reason, people are always really eager to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, no I, no, I gave that up. I, don't let that come near me. I can't. That's, that's the devil right there. You've got to keep that away from me. Uh, people give up things like sweets. Um, there were a couple of us complaining about that this morning as we stared at everybody else eating their donuts. There are some people who give up things like Facebook. Some people give up soft drinks. 
Some people give up Starbucks. It varies, you know, here and there. Things that, uh, that seem dramatic whenever we, uh, whenever we talk about it. But, you know, it's really just kind of uh, picking it up from our New Year's resolution. One of the most New Year's resolution-esque Lenten resolutions, as I call them. Uh, I've heard people say, this year for Lent, I'm giving up not going to the gym. Like, all right, that's, that's fine. You can do that. And that's the first thing I want to put here is you can do that. You, whatever you want to give up for Lent, that's, that's perfectly fine. Just make sure, you know, for one, you're not harming yourself. Um, I would suggest not fasting from all food unless you've consulted a medical professional first. Um, but, you know, other things that you choose to fast from, that's fine. I want us in this time, though, to think about why it is we choose to fast from those things. Why do we choose those things? Is it simply because we want to you know, get into healthier habits? That's all well and good, but that's not Lent. That's not what this season is all about. This season is based off of this passage that uh, Andrew just read for us this morning. This passage uh, shows up in, in, the, in the Gospels, not just in Matthew, but in which after Jesus' baptism and before Jesus begins his ministry, he then is ushered off into the wilderness for 40 days, and Matthew is the only Gospel that includes 40 nights. He's the only one that recognizes Jesus was there at nighttime as well. And so for this time, he's, uh, he's in the wilderness fasting. And it says at the end of it, he was famished. And then the tempter comes and starts rousing things up. Now, as we look at this, the one thing that I want us to recognize is that for Jesus, this season wasn't all about the fasting. This is just a minor po- point in Scripture. It's just a little blip there. What this is really about for Christ is drawing nearer to God. Yes, even Jesus, the Son of God, spent his life seeking to draw ever closer to God. And so that's what this season is about for Christ, and I hope that it can be that for us as well. Because as we look at this context that he has placed himself in, he's fasting, which in religious terms is an expression of devotion. An expression to the gods or God that says, I am here for you, wholly present. Anything else in my life that I feel like I could not go without, I choose to go without so that I can be with you. It's an act of devotion. And then there's also the wilderness capacity of it all, that Jesus chooses to go into the wilderness. And it's pretty often that God is found in the wilderness, Moses finds God in the burning bush out in the wilderness. Elijah finds God in the whispering wind on top of a mountain. The Israelites, after their exodus from Egypt, find God on multiple occasions strolling through the desert. The point here is that we often find God when we remove the worldly distractions around us. But more importantly than just the context of where Jesus finds himself at between this fasting and the wilderness is how Jesus chooses to draw near to God within the temptations and Jesus' response. This season of Lent, as Jesus has set it up for us, is a season based on our efforts to draw nearer to God. 
And so through this season, I hope that you will hold on to this passage uh, from James chapter 4, verse 8. Very simple one. We can all grasp these few words. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. James tells us in a very practical application. So where do we begin to draw near? How do we begin to draw near? What does it take to draw near to God? The answer lies within the temptations and the responses of Christ. Drawing nearer to God requires leaving behind power. Consider that for a moment. Drawing nearer to God requires leaving behind power. And what I mean whenever I say that is looking at the three different temptations of Christ, they each have to do with some aspect of Christ's power. So, for instance, we look at this first temptation, the temptation that has to do with the power of resources. Hear this. After, after 40 days of being famished, the tempter shows up and says, if you really are the Son of God, command these stones to turn into bread. Power of resources is the ability to provide for oneself. It's power that not everybody has, believe it or not, but many of us here do. And it's the power that Jesus has long since held. But why doesn't he do it? Why doesn't he turn these stones into bread? Is it just because it was the tempter who told him to? Or is there something more lying within this power? I don't think, personally speaking, I don't think that Jesus is just being obstinately defiant against Satan here. I mean, he certainly is, but that's not the point of his response. Whenever Jesus does respond and refuse, Jesus is doing so because he never once used his power of resources for his own gain. Look at his ministry. At every point along his ministry, every time he performs a miracle or is providing, it is always for others and never out of selfish ambition. Jesus is always doing for someone else out of his own power. And I have to wonder, can we say the same about humanity? Are we also the kind who will give only for others out of our power? Or are we the kind who fall into that temptation and provide only for ourselves. The second temptation has to do with the power of religion. Yeah, religion has power. You can see that all across the globe, not just in Christianity, but in nearly every world religion. There's some amount of power that religion holds. And Satan know this, knows this power and uses this power against Jesus you might have noticed after the first temptation, Jesus quotes scripture to Satan. And so Satan returns with the second temptation by quoting scripture to Jesus. They arrive at the pinnacle of the temple, this high place, and Satan says, if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down from this place. For it is written, Satan says, for it is written that he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Can you believe Satan would quote scripture? Satan knows scripture. But the thing is, is that 
the scripture is being taken out of context. This is actually scripture. This comes from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. You could turn there now and find this exact same quotation that, uh, that Satan uses against Jesus, but you'll find that it's taken out of context. This whole helping thing, this whole God will command his angels to lift you up and your foot will not dash against the stone, it's not exactly how that works. I don't know um, if you've ever tried out the fundamental aspects of our universe, but typically, if you are on a high place, nine times out of ten, gravity is going to work. No, wait, that's ten times out of ten. Gravity always works. You will find yourself on the ground at some point uh, afterwards. What comes up must always come down. And so this whole uh, promise that lies within Psalm 91 is taken out of context. Not that you will be rescued from every harm if you just have faith in God, because we know bad things still happen to good people. And consequences still happen to those who make choices. No, Satan's using this out of context. Using scripture out of context. Can you imagine that people would do that? But using scripture out of context to call Jesus out and to try to get him to oblige to his own will. Because religion has power. I wonder how often do we see people using scripture out of context to belittle or attack others or to perpetuate their own agenda, even to push their own feelings about some people in some direction. Yes, the power of religion is very evident whenever we start using scripture out of context. But the difference here in why Jesus does not oblige the devil is because within the power of religion, Jesus never once uses his own power, his own authority as a religious leader nor uses the sacred words of the Torah to belittle or tear down another individual. No, he only uses these sacred words to uplift others, to speak love into life. The power of religion is real. and is meant, as Jesus did so, does so, to lift up people, not to tear down. The third temptation of Christ has to do with the power of political leadership. They take, uh, Satan takes Jesus up onto this mountaintop and shows them all the kingdoms of the world. It's got to be a very high mountain, and they must have had some very impressive binoculars. But there they are, glancing at all of the kingdoms of the world. And Satan says, if you just bow down and worship me, I will give you all of these kingdoms. Now, political power is the most volatile of all powers because it deals with how people lead other people. If Jesus would have only said yes, think about this for a moment. If Jesus would have only said yes to this temptation, all of humanity would have known about Christ in an instant. If Jesus would have only obliged the Satan on this one request, the entire globe would have understood the love of Christ in this one moment. Because Jesus would be king or president, or prime minister, over all. But he doesn't. Why not? Why doesn't Jesus take this moment? Isn't that what his mission was all about? To come and spread the good news, declaring to all the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the gospel. See, I think it's because it would mean that it would put Jesus on top whenever his entire mission was about serving and putting God on top. 
Jesus' political leadership, Jesus' political power, was one that spread Christianity across the globe through people, not through power. One that takes it patiently and puts all of the power into the hands of the people rather than in an instant washing over the entire world and putting them under a tyrannical rule. Plus, anytime we seek out power, especially political power, there will always be something else that we have to worship in order to sustain that power. Whether that be our money, our fame, our status, our ego, even our own power, we would have to worship that in order to sustain our power. Look at just about anybody in political leadership today. Power, political power, comes at this cost of worship, and Jesus declares that such worship is only fit for God. And so what Matthew gives us a glimpse into through the story of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness is the way in which Jesus draws near to God by refusing power. When Jesus is tempted, the devil even taunts him, saying, If, if you really are the Son of God. In other words, the devil has in mind what the Son of God is supposed to look like. And I think we often have the same temptation to believe we say who the Son of God should look like. For example, with the power of resources, we often say of Jesus, if Jesus would just perform this miracle, then I could focus all of my attention on my faith and spreading the gospel. Or with the power of religion, if those people would just listen to the word of God, then we wouldn't have all of these problems. Or with the power of political leadership, if Jesus were only president, my, my, if Jesus were only president, then everything would be perfect. But here's the thing, the ways of the real son of God are quite contrary to human nature. Jesus chooses humility every step of the way. Jesus chooses humility over power. To let go of power, even becoming completely human on earth rather than some demigod or holy god hovering above us all. Je Jesus demonstrates for us that the best, and I might even be so bold to say the only way to draw nearer to God is through humility, through rejecting power. So, I want to challenge each of us with a question this morning. It's a simple yes or no question. Do you want to draw near to God? I say it's a simple yes or no question, but whenever I first considered this, I thought to myself, well, it depends. What do I have to do? <laughs> Not quite so simple, but... For this season, that's what Lent is all about, drawing nearer to God. So if the answer is yes, if you can say, yes, I want to draw nearer to God, then I do want you to do something about it. If you were here for Ash Wednesday or heard the podcast from Ash Wednesday, then you know that my challenge for all people, not just those present, but all people, for the season of Lent is to draw nearer to God through doing one small act of random kindness every day. But here's the thing. Acts of random kindness, no matter how great or small, require that we give up some of our power to help someone else out by sacrificing either our time, our energy, or our resources for those who need our kindness. So every day this week, I hope that you will think of one way to show humility through kindness. Whether that be admitting you were wrong in a fight whenever you truly were wrong, <laughs> 
because that's hard to do, or maybe helping somebody carry their groceries whenever you don't have the time to help them carry their groceries. Maybe it's telling someone how much you appreciate them, despite how uncomfortable it is to bring that up to someone. Or maybe it's spending time with a person you might not want to spend time with simply because it is kind to do so. Whatever it is, I want to challenge each and every one of us to leave this place in humility. So let us in this time prepare our hearts to go forth and share kindness with the world. Let us in this time draw nearer to God in our humility as we relinquish power. And let us pray.